And Rebecca, it's not that I'm not always pleased to see you. I am, but I'm even more pleased to see you when there is the addendum of young Miles to seeing you. He's looking well and healthy. He was a bit, um, he was a bit uncertain of I the studio your, today. Your hair length, John. I'm a bit <laughs> uncertain too. So I'm just staring at you with caution. Um, it's what's the end game there? I don't know. Mm. Mm, I don't mm. know. I. It's bizarre that I mean I, I'm I'm not socialising madly or anything. I really do live uh, a largely solitary life apart from work. Um, but there's something about sitting, and and I know that the hairdressers will tell me, and the people who go to the hairdressers will tell me that it is a safe experience. But I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Well, if you ever want a friendly hand to take <laughs> shears to them, <laughs> I'd be available. Yeah, I um. I th- Liesel van der Westhuizen has a has a friendly hairdresser, so I think when I get to the point where I can't bear it anymore, and it does require a lot of shampoo and conditioner to wash. But let me tell you something. Looking at you now, John, in a white cotton shirt with your grey locks flowing over your shoulders, it does give you a slightly messianic look, like the leader of a doomsday cult. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a look you're going for? Because if, I mean, if you are, you are nailing it. Uh, okay, it's not a look I'm going for, but now that I know it's a look I'm presenting, yes. I must think which doomsday cult I want to espouse. Correct. Yeah, something that makes me very rich very quickly. That's that's what I'm looking for. You've been dipping in and out of the DA Innovation Summit today, have you? Yes, the DA's had an innovation summit, which is basically an excuse for the DA to say how much very exciting Miles is crying. things they are doing at the okay. moment, um, which is undoubtedly true. The DA have actually been doing really amazing things during the COVID-19 pandemic. And as a you know fairly frequent critic of the DA, I must give credit where it's due. You know, some of the stuff they've been doing to do with partnering with Uber to deliver medication, um, the Red Dot Taxi Initiative to make sure healthcare workers were delivered safely. It really is impressive stuff. And I think nobody would argue that the DA is the most innovative government in the country. You know, no one's claiming that the ANC is on the cutting edge of mm using tech and progress and the rest of it. But I was really struck, John, while listening to what the DA has been doing during COVID-19, by the extent to which they still depend on civil society when the chips are down. So to give you an example, you know, the DA came up with all these exciting things to do with food aid, delivering electronic vouchers and so forth to the citizens of the Drakenstein. But at the end of the day, 50% of the food aid in the Western Cape was delivered by, by... Social by civil society, not just delivered, stemmed from civil society. It's the same thing when it comes to delivering medication, when it comes to delivering food. Government, be it national, provincial, simply doesn't have the data, first of all. And secondly, they don't have the contact. Sometimes they don't feel safe going into these areas. So what do they do? They call up NGOs. And NGOs on the ground are the ones tasked with delivering the stuff. Now, the DA, I think does well by NGOs in terms of it gives them grants, etc. National government, I have reason to believe, does slightly poorer by NGOs. National government, it seems to me one of the differences is that national government is suspicious of NGOs. Very much Whereas the DA government in the Western Cape and in the city of Cape Town, and I know that there are some NGOs that butt heads regularly and constantly, consistently with the DA, but generally I think the DA's approach is rather... They are assets. I think that's true when it comes to service organizations. Yeah. So the DA is very respectful of those organizations on the ground. What they are less respectful, I think, are advocacy groups. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
Over the past few years, NGOs generally have just seen this leeching away of funding and support from national government, from national lotteries, which is a whole nother story. And this is just another reminder that actually they are absolutely indispensable in this country. And we saw that again with the nomination of Gift of the Givers for the Nobel Peace Prize. It really is an, a nomination I personally completely endorse. Gift of the Givers, I've mentioned this before, steps in time and time again where government cannot, where government fails. It's a reminder, John, we owe a lot to civil society in this country. And I, I do. I, I can't find it at the moment, but I really enjoyed the humble way in which um, I think things have been sorted out. I think Miles is being looked after now. Uh, the incredibly and typically and expectedly humble way in which India Suleiman rejected the notion of the Nobel Prize for Gift of the Givers. I thought that was that is standard typically. standard practice. Yeah. And, and um, Ace he, he now tells us that he does respect the Constitution. Yes, he does. He doesn't always agree with it, but he respects it, which is a step forward from yesterday. And then we heard today at the Zonda Commission of Inquiry that he learned the forget about the Constitution, the ANC matters more from Gwede Mantashe at the time that Parliament was voting in a no-confidence vote on Jacob Zuma. So it seems to be a view associated with the post rather than with the individual. But one point he, he, he tried to make. And, and you know, the ANC does this a lot. It mutters darkly, and Arthur Fraser is muttering darkly at the moment about what he is going to say. We will have this conversation about this and that. And then when push comes to shove, there is no push because there is no shove. That's right. I think. <laughs> I'm also a little confused. I think that's right. What the NC does a lot is say, oh, well, you people got away with a lot in apartheid days, and now you people come. You as Magashula said, you who killed us during apartheid. I assume by that he meant white people, though he was addressing it to, like, young, very diverse group of journalists who definitely didn't kill anyone during apartheid. And what he said in particular was that people should get off Jacob Zuma's back, basically, because look at P.W. Boita. P.W. Boita refused to go to the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and nobody said anything. Well, John, you will have a better memory of the time. I was still in high school, but... That is just not true, is it? No. It is not true. So P.W. Boerter did indeed refuse to cooperate with the TRC for reasons which are eerily similar to Jacob Zuma's for refusing to comply with the Zonda Commission. P.W. Boerter claimed that the commission was completely biased against him. He accused it of being basically Nelson Mandela's sort of sounding board. And for that reason, he said he would have nothing to do with it. But he did, in fact, have to face the, well, perhaps not the full might of the law, but he did face the law. Um, I don't know if you remember, but there was a court case in this regard where his lawyer held forth, where P.W. Boota was faced with, you know, this litany of offences during apartheid. And um, Boota again refused to comply. He said the commission was prejudiced and he was sentenced. He was sentenced. He was fined 10,000 rand. I don't know what that would be in today's money or a year's imprisonment and a further 12 months imprisonment. Suspended for five years. Well, if Jacob Zuma has the option of a fine, given the amount of money that David Mashlobo is supposed to have passed on to him in cash on a monthly basis, he'll take the fine rather than jail, I guess. I'm sure he will. But the point is justice was to some measure done, yeah. or at least there was something, uh, 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 even if it's just a kind of procedural slap on the wrist. So that comparison, at least, Mr. Magashule, is somewhat misplaced. Can I ask you a question which a listener has put to me, Rebecca? Mm. Thoughts about Julius having tea with Zuma. And it is quite an extraordinary Twitter interchange, this. Um, Julius Malema making his way to Enkandla to have tea with Jacob Zuma. And Jacob Zuma is the man against whom Julius Malema took... um, 
took to the Constitutional Court to make him pay back the money. And now they're having tea and Julius Malema is saying, thank you for accepting my request. It is in the best interest of our country. That's right. In what way can tea with Julius Malema and Jacob Zuma be in the best interests of our country? What's interesting is the urgency with which Malema has phrased this request. Can we have tea urgently? Thank you for accepting my request promptly. I mean, part of me... Perhaps a hopeless optimist is wondering if Malema intends to talk Jacob Zuma into appearing at the Zondo Commission. I have really no idea whether that could be the case. You seem stunned by that <laughs> suggestion. It's simply the context. You know, this is coming on the back of his refusal to do X. And I, I, I simply can't see what else from the current environment is giving rise to Malema making this request at this particular point. What's your view? I, I didn't. I didn't have a view, uh, really, in this. In, but that that is a very intriguing theory, and it's a theory which puts Julius Malema in a much better light than most of the social media comment about the request. And per- perhaps a naive light. Yeah, perhaps. But I, mean, I just love Mzwandile Masina saying um, the tea session will be interesting, and I'm sure the two men who contributed to the constitutional being of South Africa. Sorry, Mzwandile. Julius Malema contributed nothing to the constitutional being of South Africa. He was too young to make a contribution. He wasn't present in any way. The other man has done nothing but trying to erode the constitutional Constitution. being of South Africa. But I love to say he will provide a great insight, G-R-A-T-E. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what Jacob Zuma is doing to the Constitution, is burning it. And you do need a great to accept the ashes of the burnt Constitution. Very so true. there we go. And then, finally, and I do love the way you put the most important aspects of our conversation at the end, but never mind. John, you and I have discussed many times the nature of beings, the ontology, (laughs) if you will. When is a Jaffa cake? Not a cake, but a biscuit. That was one that took us through two or three sessions last year, the year before, I think. It wasn't 2020. It was much, much too light for 2020. And our question this week is, when is a chocolate not a chocolate? Perhaps a straightforward question. Not at all, sir. Well, when it's not in my mouth, it's not a chocolate. It only (laughs) becomes a chocolate when I'm chewing happily on it. Interesting philosophical take. Well, German chocolate manufacturer Ritter. You're familiar with Ritter? I am, yes. And that, John, is a unique shape, which I have now learned through this whole row, was developed precisely because the maker of Ritter wanted a chocolate that would fit perfectly into a sports jacket, a neat square pocket. Now, wh- why would I have to have, like to have a melting chocolate, chocolate in your dapper sports jacket is beyond me, but that's why they're square. This company is producing chocolate for over a century now has had the indignity of being told that its latest product cannot be classified as chocolate because it does not contain sugar. Without sugar, it's using cocoa juice instead. It says it's not a chocolate. Ritter shoots back with cocoa juice, the very essence of chocolate. Chocolate, yes, cacao. It's even more chocolatey than the use of sugar. No, no, says the German regulators. They have come to some sort of an entente cordiale at the moment, but they, what Ritter's point is that food laws need to wake up. People want healthier options, and chocolate without sugar is very much chocolate indeed. I'm not sure. I think we would have to bring one in for a taste test, John. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the cacao is, is, for me, is the essence of chocolate. Very much so. The nib, if you will. The nib and the nub of the chocolate. The nib, the nub and the nub of chocolate. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you um, after a very long time. And I hope it won't be as long before we see you again. Thank you, John. And um, I hope Miles hasn't been taken to the... (laughs) 
to the dungeon to avoid his cries coming in on air. I hope he's all right. Rebecca Davis, thank you very, very much indeed.